It's summer season, which means thunderstorms can roll on in. Are you prepared for a power outage at your home or business? The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. Also, the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will reduce the size and cost of the generator. Imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. Reliable, affordable, safe. Propane, the energy for everyone. To find out more about generators and propane appliances, go to propane.com. This episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast is presented by Aquarius Home Services, Ace Solid Waste, and the Minnesota Propane Association. It's the dog days of summer. Hot, humid weather just won't break. If your AC unit isn't able to keep up, then now is the time to call Aquarius Home Services. They're currently running their sizzling August sale. Right now, you can enjoy an incredible $98 off in any AC repair with Aquarius Home Services. Their expert technicians are skilled in both heating and cooling. They can troubleshoot and fix all AC issues and get your home back down to a cool, comfortable temperature. At Aquarius Home Services, you'll find a professional team that's ready to help you from start to finish and make sure your AC unit is always running at its peak performance. To take advantage of this limited time offer, visit them online at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. Are you tired of your job and wish that you could start a new career? Well, now you can. Ace Solid Waste is an award-winning waste management company, and they are looking for people just like you. Ace Solid Waste has over 60 years of experience servicing customers in the Minneapolis metro area, and their company is growing. Ace prides themselves on having safe, reliable, friendly, and professional employees that set their team apart. Their talented staff will run you through Ace University and prepare you for the position that best fits your skill sets. From truck driver operator to mechanic, operations to customer service, there is a perfect role at Ace waiting just for you. Plus, you'll receive competitive salary, benefits, and paid vacation. Life is short. Don't stay at a job that's not right for you. Experience the Ace difference today. Check them out at acesolidwaste.com. Welcome to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. Natalie Dillon is still on that quest to set a new world record chasing icebergs. And so in her place, I have the legendary one and only Ron Shera. Sitting next to me, I, of course, am your host, Travis Frank. Ron, uh, welcome back into the office today. I see you got a little bit extra sun on your face, glistening. Were you chasing fish, catching fish? What's your story? Chasing would be a good uh, description. Catching would be occasional. I mean, fishing's fishing. We were actually, um, daughter Laura was out with me and... Um, we had to entertain a person that uh, bid on the trip we gave away for the organization Menfish. Had to or fish. got to? What's that? Had to or wanted to? We volunteered to. There had you go. To, had to. It was, yeah. a, it was an online auction we did. Okay. 
and I didn't see you bid, so uh, straighten well, up a little Well, I bit. was busy, you know, providing the right. same services, you got Mr. Money. Shera. You got money. I don't know. Whose bid went for more? Did mine go for more or did yours? I'll just say it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both offered up our services in the, what would what'd you guys call it? The greatest... I forget what we call it. We're, we're actually setting up another one this fall. You know, we're Minfish is a nonprofit, and nonprofits are always looking for ways to stay in business, so to speak. We uh, we're very active in the legislature, trying to do things for Minnesota fishermen that hasn't been done before, and uh, we have to hire lobbyists to do that. Uh, uh, I'm the president of Minfish, but I'm on you know unsalaried. That's yeah. Volunteer. We have one paid person that's our executive director, and he's he's paid part time but works full time. It's a perfect deal. And <laughs> what a steal! <laughs> yeah. But uh, so uh, we have these fundraisers, and um, uh, so that's what this was about. So Minfish has been around for a little while, and if somebody that is listening right now doesn't know what Minfish does, can you give them an overview? Well, one way to do it is to go on our website mn-fish.com, and you'll learn a bunch of stuff. But basically, this is what it was. A bunch of us who love fishing looked around, and we realized that when it came to um, our legislature uh, setting aside appropriating money for fishing, it wasn't happening. Um, I think the last time they appropriated any amount of money, that was for a trout hatchery, was, was 10 years ago. And uh, before that, um, uh, well, here's the way some of this goes. So in Minnesota, if you have a boat, you, you pay a registration fee for your boat. Every three years, you send money back into the state. They call that their water recreation account. And that's what initially that money was for boat accesses and some enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then along come invasive species. So your lawmakers look around. They say, we need money for invasive species control programs, let's see, oh, we have this fund here that the boaters put in. We'll take some money from that. And well, now we have invasive species, we need an enforcement of that. Oh, we have another, uh, we, have some, we can take some money out of that fund. Mm -hmm. So the money that was supposed to go for public boat accesses suddenly isn't so much. And, and then we don't have any money to fix them or, you know, there's a boat access by Garrison, just south of Garrison there. That's a, a fix-up job, $1 million. So Isn't that crazy it, how it much crazy. it costs? I know, but, you know, that's do, what it is. Do you guys have any, uh, are you privy to the dollars that have been spent on invasive species no, in Minnesota? Well, we, we could ask. I wish we had some reporters that would ask that stuff. I agree, yeah. But anyway, um, so we hire, hired lobbyists, and uh, it would cost us, like, $40,000 a year, and that's two years now for that. And But that's what that's the game you have to play in the legislature because if you're not, there's a whole bunch of other people, uh, education people, welfare people, you name it, they're walking those halls uh, wanting the legislature to pay attention to them and and uh, and, uh, and, and there's only money. so much money to go around right of so course. those other lobbyists are trying to pull out of that of course that. so well this year you know the legislature had more money than god so uh, you know everybody wanted some of it minnesota specifically we're yeah. talking here so. right including yep. us so we yep. minfish wanted some of that so make a long story short uh, we got 95 million appropriated to the dnr uh, that money will go um, oh, 
almost half of it is for public or for boat, excuse me, for hatcheries, and the rest uh, for public mm -hmm. boat accesses and some for shoreline fishing spots. Um, and that's a lot of money. That's the most ever. So we're proud of that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go back again because it's a bonding year. I mean, I get, don't get too technical here, but uh, the money we got for hatcheries and, and boat accesses is just going to barely touch a little bit of it. So. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. Um, we I was at Pheasants Forever's uh, their, uh, Pheasant Fest this past winter. And I, or it was early spring, late winter. I don't remember, but uh, Governor Walls came up and, and and said hi. And he specifically said, the work that you guys have done at Minfish has pushed him to want to put this money towards fisheries. And so that is really a testament to the work that you guys are doing there. Well, that happened. You know, our uh, Sarah Stroman, our DNR commissioner. Uh, asked the governor to come to the first Minfish Summit meeting. This was over a year ago. And he came to it. And while he was standing in the sidelines, he was listening to me. I was going to introduce him. And I, you know, I got on my soapbox there and, and said how fishing in Minnesota is a $4.4 billion industry. That's with a B. B, yes. Billion-dollar economic engine, I should say, instead of industry. And that our legislature has, hasn't appropriated peanuts to it for years. Well, you know, that hit a, hit a nerve with him. He saw the wisdom of, of financially supporting a, a, an economy that big was stupid not to. Right. And so for that following year, everywhere he went, he talked about it. He himself put $115 million in his budget. From his pocket. From his budget, I mean, he can just recommend. Yeah. And so, by the time the legislature got done, it was ninety-five million. But nevertheless, um, uh, but he here's a lesson here too, um, uh, Travis. I didn't hear this directly, but one of our lobbyists said they you get you can go around the offices of the legislators and you get fifteen minutes to talk to them. Mm -hmm. That's what they were doing. So they went into the office of one St. Paul legislator and said, uh, hey, would you support uh, money for fix up our fish hatcheries? And the legislature looked a little puzzled and said, what's a fish hatchery? And so um, you go, whoa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, this person was told the St. Paul fish hatchery, for example, is in bad, bad shape. That's the hatchery that fix, raises fish for kids' fishing ponds and for some metro lakes. Oh, I'm in. So it's an education process. We anglers, we seem to think that everybody knows what we're about, and that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I spoke one time against what I felt was a very bad bill that would have hurt anglers in Minnesota taking away public access based on how things were worded in a bill. And I was down at the Capitol, and I left so frustrated. This was years ago. I don't remember how many now, but... Um, I left with a, a wide eye view of what really happens down there and the conversations that went back and forth amongst the elected officials, representatives was mind blowing to me and sad, depressing, angering, all of these things. And I'm thinking, you, you're not an expert in this field that you're trying to pretend like you are and you're not making any sense what the 
ecology of a lake is like or the wild world and things like that. Like if, if I was an elected official, I would want to listen to experts on both sides tell me what what I needed to know, and then we work together to make a decision. No, they instead blocked out what they didn't want to hear and then pretended to talk like they knew what they were talking about. I'm like, you're not making any sense here. <laughs> and you're the one that's deciding the fate of where this is all going, and, and right. it's frustrating. So having, having a voice, I guess, is, is a very important thing for outdoorsmen. And you, Ron, you and I have talked about this many times. Um, you're, you've said it, and I've, I've, it sank in with me that... Hunters and anglers get out into the woods and on the waters to get away from all of that. But ultimately, that hurts them. Well, I was just going to say, we're very famous for sitting around trying to figure out another way to catch a walleye. And we pay no attention to what's going on in St. Paul at the legislature or even with our DNR fish management policies or what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. We, We, like you said, Probably said we want to be out, we want to be away from that stuff. Well, we are just hurting ourselves big time, right? And uh, so that's what Midfish hopes to fulfill. That I'll just say one more thing before we maybe go to another topic. Years ago, Travis, when I was a columnist for the Minneapolis Tribune, there was a bunch of guys like maybe you and I who formed something called the Sport Fishing Congress. They were going to represent anglers in the legislature, too. And I remember I wrote a story about the Sport Fishing Congress was formed, blah, 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 presidents, blah, blah, blah. And so that was fine. Well, a few years later, I wrote another story. I'm only reminded of this because I went through some of my own newspaper clippings. I wrote another story that said the Sport Fishing Congress is folding its tent. And that person who wrote the headline, I didn't write the headline, but it was classic. The headline said, the A in angler stands for apathy. And that's still true today. Yeah. We, uh, we, just, don't, we just don't pay enough attention. Um, but we're, that's what Minfish, we're going to be around. I didn't intend to talk politics right away here, but as long as we're into it, I, before we leave the, the Minfish topic, I think anglers would would ask two questions in r- relation to our conversation so far. What about the money from the license dollars? Where is that going? When you buy a fishing license, that money is supposed to go towards fisheries, right? In Minnesota, is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what about Lassard Sam's? I thought we were taxing ourselves on top of... Uh, other taxes that we already pay for natural resources. Is fisheries not included in that? It is, but Lassard Sam's money, and this is the sales tax, uh, uh, by constitution, it has to be spent on fish and wildlife habitat. It can't be spent on public boat access. Okay, and fishery it can't hatcheries. can be spent on hatcheries. Okay. It can be spent on fixing up trout streams, and it has been. It can be spent enhancing on, natural habitat. Right. Yeah. It can be uh, it can be spent on fixing up some lake shores or whatever, uh, but it can't be spent there. So um, there's that answer. Now the fishing license money, yes, but you know fishing license money um, uh, doesn't go very far with with the staff that they need to manage these lakes, uh, with the salaries that they mm-hmm. need, etc. They haven't raised the fishing licenses for six, seven, eight years, and whoopee dingle. We are, being, we are paying 
what, $30 to fish all year? <laughs> right. Have you gone to a Vikings game lately? <laughs> you can't that's even a get, four-hour experience. You can't even get in the door for a four-hour experience. Isn't it incre- It's like the best investment, a hunting or a fishing license is And we best. bitch about it. I know, I know. And if we were to sit here right now and say, hey, double that, people would be up in arms. But the reality is you could go fishing 365 days a year based on that right. one purchase. But I also understand that question because a lot of us, including myself, are suspect of how... Uh, state government spends our money. And uh, I'm no different than anybody else. That's the other thing that Minfish will be doing. As we talk today, tomorrow, uh, several of us are meeting with the DNR commissioner and her staff to now we got $95 million for you. What what are your priorities? Which hatch, hatcheries are you going to work on? And, which, and when's that going to start? And then you got all this money for public boat accesses. Do you have a list of priorities there and when will it start how do you plan to do it bah, 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 bah. yeah and you got a ride of two because we what plan i'm to i'm learning right right now ron and we could <laughs> we could have a whole deep discussion here but i have now for the last what what month are we in here the eighth month of the calendar year for the last eight months i have been on a citizen advisory panel for fisheries in minnesota and we've gathered two times in eight months to talk about the long range plan for Minnesota's fisheries, including muskie and northern pike. And we haven't gotten anywhere as far as I'm concerned. That's I'm so frustrated by the fact that we can't move forward. That's just feel good stuff for them. Feel good. Hey, they can tell the legislature, listen, we have citizen panels here. They come in and we talk about stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast for another time because there's a couple people on that team that I want to talk to, and there's great things that are potentially going to happen. But you know, when you sit down with Sarah tomorrow, commissioner, and say, "When are we moving?" I'm not going to be surprised if it's well, two you know, years from now. There was a bait shortage in Minnesota. Yeah, still is. It was Minfish who, through Tom Newstrom. Uh, who has good contacts with the bait people in Grand Rapids and elsewhere, he uh, threw in fish. He asked DNR to come to a meeting with the bait dealers and bait wholesalers and bait trappers. They met once, they met twice, and both sides learned something. And I'll, I'll fault the trappers here. You know, they'd, they'd rather talk to a tree than talk to anybody. <laughs> so um, uh, so it's, they failed to reach out too, and DNR. Oh, there's Jack Pine Savages. What do they know? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> so we got them talking, and then this, and the bait shortage started making the news. We had a legislator who we uh, got a hold of, who he put a bill in that said, "Get this, Travis. Minnesota was only one of two states in the nation. Maine was the other one that banned importation of any minnows, straight out." Mm-hmm. Well, they're all fear, fearing some golden shiners from Arkansas. Apparently, at one time, found some disease. And that's just that's what they've hung their hat on. Well, this legislator, we worked around that, and he passed a bill, and it passed. The governor signed it to allow importation of minnows, mostly fathead minnows, which is a big shortage, from Wisconsin, Iowa, or both Dakotas. And... Uh, Another question we're going to ask tomorrow is that DNR was supposed to say when this could start. And I remember two months ago telling DNR, well, you're going to start it right away, aren't you? We have a minnow shortage. And to my knowledge, 
It still hasn't started. And that's that's not surprising to me. There's so many people involved that it just takes. Well, you have some people that didn't want didn't want didn't like that. Law. Oh, so there was Didn't pushback like after the fact. Well, they they can't get away with it, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna stall as long as possible. Now I don't know if that's true, but we're gonna find out tomorrow. Okay. And the goal here, and you guys are fighting for Minnesota anglers. Yeah. I mean, that's the voice that Minfish carries, and that's clearly a powerful voice. And you're holding people accountable, and I think that's a great thing, very admirable, and I'm proud of you, and I'm happy for everything that you're doing there. Um, we, we don't need to com- continue the curmudgeon hour here. <laughs> we'll, we'll shift into some happy talk. Curmudgeon hour? <laughs> I don't know. Once you get into t- these politics, it's so easy to just point fingers and be like, what are you doing? Come on. And the older I get, the more easily I can express my own damn opinions, even I if it's wrong. I love it, too. That's why I love hanging around with you, because it's fun to get you riled up. And these are things that we obviously care deeply about. Um, we were just on an island together last week for... Four days, Ron. And it's one of the best four days of the entire year. We were up at Wiley Point Lodge, which from Sioux Narrows, Ontario, you take about a 45, well, your your boat ride, it might be like an hour and 45 minutes. Mine is about 30 minutes to get to the island. You're wasting gas. <laughs> I'm getting there. I got an extra hour to fish. Anyway, um, it's a beautiful lodge. Ron, how long have you been going up to Wiley Point? I've lost track, but it's at least 25 years or more. Gosh, I thought from my own experience, I've only been going about seven and we do this yearly trip up there. You, uh, Bill Shirk, Scott Franzen, and a couple others from our company and some of the partners that we've been working with for many, many years, we come up and we just, we've become really good friends up there and it's a special place. I felt like, and maybe, and this is a question I have for you. I personally have felt like it was the most numbers of walleyes that we've caught up there this past week and, and all the trips that I've been. Um, what do you think about the fishery on Lake of the Woods? Well, fishing is fishing. You know, you, you can go up there and have a, uh, the jump in the boat experience. You can also go up there and say, I don't think there's a fish left. Um, but I would say overall, uh, the last year or two or maybe three, the average size walleye, like in spots right around the lodge uh, have improved. Um, before, sometimes you'd catch a bunch of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-inch walleyes and sauger, mm-hmm. and you go, man, where are the bigger ones? And um, um, But this year, like I said, the last couple of years, I think better. Um, you have to keep in mind, too, there are so many walleye spots there. I mean, if you look around, uh, I've caught walleye this past week up there, nondescript spots. I don't even know why I was fishing. Well, you weren't very far from me. I go, what? We're catching walleyes. I would never stop here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's world-class mus- walleyes. It's world-class muskie. I don't get a chance to fish my smallmouth up there, but I saw enough of other people catching them. They're nice smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, uh, like, some other of the great smallmouth waters, but it's world class. Mm-hmm. And the 14,000 islands, I mean, it's like a paradise. Yeah. I mean, we caught hundreds of walleyes. Of course. Hundreds. And one thing that really stood out to me this year that I think a lot of anglers would be excited about was the amount of jumbo perch. I mean, over, between all of our boats, 
I don't know how many we caught. You but, went after those. I saw you. you yeah, there was a school. I mean, there was a sand flat, and there must have been a bug hatch on it. And I, I scanned across it, and there were hundreds of fish in this school. And I'm like, let's just take a cast over there. Every one of us in the boat set the hook at the same time, and we pulled in 13, 14, 15-inch jumbo perch, wow. big jumbos. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, look at the size of that one. And he did it every time. Do you remember the Red Lake crappie boom? Oh, yeah. And when you pulled a Red Lake crappie up through the ice, it was like, whoa. Yeah, whoa, 16 whoa. inches. Yes, that's what it was like pulling in some of those jumbo perch out there. Yeah, yeah. And it just added to the to the fun of all the walleyes, something a little bit different. It's It's truly a... A paradise up there. Do you have over your twenty-five years of fishing Lake of the Woods? Do you have any stories that really stand out to you that you think fondly of, or well, memories? I can tell you several stories of uh, big muskies I lost. <laughs> the ones I get away. Yeah, Serious. I believe that. Yeah, I remember once uh, casting out uh, an Indian guide. He said, "There's always a muskie hanging around this little small island." So I heaved a suic bait. You know, how it's, a, like, it's, yeah. like, it's like casting a half of a baseball handle, bat, bat handle, you know? A block of wood. block of wood. And it went out flat, and it, it landed flat, so it kind of popped on the water, bounced on the water, and oh, my God, from underneath, it just exploded. This muskie came out of the halfway out of the water and hit it with his nose and knocked it way in the air. <laughs> there goes a missed one. He wouldn't come up again. <laughs> yeah, but now... Um, uh, I was fishing with Ron Weber one time. Now, there's a name most people don't know. Ron Weber uh, was the guy that found the Rapalas in, in the United States, in Duluth, Minnesota, of all places. Um, I was fishing with him. We were catching some walleyes. We had them back there in the boats. We had stringers. So we had a stringer of some walleyes we were going to eat for shore lunch or take home. I don't remember. And one of us... Happened to look down at the stringer, and there was a big old muskie just eyeball, <laughs> eyeballing. Looking our, at your fish. Eyeballing our stringer like, <laughs> I wonder how I could get one of these off here. <laughs> uh, it's a magical place. Um, I can also tell you horror stories of uh, hitting rocks. It's uh, Any scary ones where you felt glad that I you made it last up? year. Um, you know, I had the wrong chart up. That's important. I had... A chart up, a CMAP chart, which is fine. It showed this one little island, but it didn't show me another little island 15 yards to the right of it where my navigator, yeah, is it navigator? No, my uh, other map. The CMAP would be your uh, Lowrance one built yeah. in. Yep, Navionics is another one. The Navionics map. Mm hmm showed that little spot, mm -hmm. which I found out later mm -hmm. because I didn't see that little spot, and I hit it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a sickening feeling when you, you're going along about 20, 25 miles an hour, and then right in front of you, you see a few measly weeds and a few rocks sticking up with me with a fiberglass ranger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, that was an expensive... Well, I mean, I didn't... I mean, just... last year the water was up into and above the docks in a lot of places, into the shoreline, up on cabins. This year it was down substantially. So you're talking, there were places that I had muskies like last year that are now five. You know, the rocks that they were they were hanging on, swimming above, mm -hmm. 
are now five, six feet out of the water. Yeah. You know, and my waypoints are no good anymore. But that doesn't change uh, uh, how you read the lake because if the water's high, mm -hmm. it's covering some rocks that you normally would try to avoid. Yep. And if it's low, it's, it's showing rocks. Yes. But it's also getting to rocks that you hadn't seen before. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, just, One, uh, the main thing is just be careful. Yeah, it is. And take your time and give yourself a little bit of space on any map that you're using. If it shows that there's something there and you have room to go around it, go around it. Yeah. That's a lesson there. I will say that the shore lunch on Wiley Point is probably the best shore lunch. I don't know that maybe I've ever had. You've had a lot of shore lunches in different Very similar. Parts. They have a yep. pat way of doing it. Yep. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of beer-battered walleye, uh, so much batter, but I they're... Their uh, dry batter is very good. Yeah, and you're great at telling jokes. Let's keep moving forward here. This is a fun week, the next couple weeks for you, because Game Fair kicks off this weekend. Game Fair and starts Friday, this you, Friday. How how many years have you been a part of Game Fair? Only 42. That's it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is that all of them? Yes. <laughs> you haven't missed one, have you? No. Oh, my gosh. The, what, what keeps you coming back every year? They hire me. <laughs> They pay pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm the voice of Game Fair. Yeah, so you are. Uh, yeah, I uh, do the announcing. Uh, not all of it. I usually have an assistant. In the last few years, I've been lovely. Laura Shera has been my assistant. Uh -huh. So she makes announcements. I make announcements. I introduce the trick shooters through the years. We've had some wonderful ones, and we have uh, one again who's been here two or three years. Travis Mears. He's a good old Texas boy. And um, when I introduce him, he does two shows a day. And I mean, it's like I said, it's like magic with a shotgun. He makes shots that you, you say, what? Do that again? And he does. Anyway, being from Texas, so he's, I tell the folks out there from Minnesota, I said, all the way, we, 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 had, we looked all over the country for the best trick shooter and we found him in Texas. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only thing is he... He, he says words like y'all all the time. I don't even know what the hell that means, but uh, uh, his English is getting better. So, <laughs> What else is out at Game Fair that brings, I mean, because it's packed, and you just heard my dog flapping her ears. Well, there's dog, doggy mm -hmm. games. Uh, a lot of people bring their dogs, dogs of all kinds, not just hunting dogs. They kind of bring dogs you could put a saddle on. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's lots of exhibits of things to buy. And, and look at and uh, artwork, uh, beautiful art things. Um, uh, some archery, some archery. There's a kids archery range. Yep, there's yep, a, there's a kids, kids trap uh, uh, slingshot range. I think BB gun too. My kids were there last year and they yep. they were pumped about the BB guns. Yeah, BB guns and uh, there's a place called Waterfall Hill. Has uh, all kinds of duck calls, uh, goose calls, world champion callers there. Um, will be willing to demonstrate calls or show, sell you one of theirs. Uh, seminars, a lot of different seminars, both uh, uh, duck hunting seminars, uh, fishing seminars. My old friend Steve Carney does one. A lot of dog training seminars mm -hmm. by some of the top dog trainers in the country. Um, and I mean top dog, uh, uh, top trainers. So if you have questions about training labs, training pointers, just training a puppy or whatever. Yep. It's all there. So. Yeah. It's it basically, I kind of try to describe it like this. It's the state fair 
for hunters and dog lovers. Yes. Basically, anything in the hunting world, uh, you've got a booth for it, pretty much. Travis, what's interesting is the history, and that is Chuck and Lorelei Delaney, who own Armstrong Ranch Kennels and the hundred and some acres that uh, around their place. Lorelei, as you may or may not know, was a world-class trap shooter. She... Uh, won all kinds of women's events, was in the U.S. Olympic, Olympic trap shooting team, just awesome shooter. Well, that took her around the country. So she was in England shooting trap, and her husband Chuck was along too. He was a pretty good shot himself. And uh, something was going on there in, in England called Game Fair. So they went to it, and it was very similar. And they said, well, we should do that when we get back home in Minnesota. So that's how the, the philosophy of game fair came here. And to this day, it's the only one in the country. Uh, some Ducks Limited tried, tried to emulate it somewhere. It didn't work. Um, I don't know why. Why do you suppose that? I don't know. Hmm. It just didn't fly. Um, but Chuck Delaney, who, you know, Lorelei died a couple of years ago. Uh, Chuck, Still runs it. He's 88, 89. Uh, but he has been in the sports show business forever. So, he, you know, it's it's the little things about dealing with your vendors, ticket sales, advertising, you know, hiring expensive talent like myself. <laughs> <laughs> Putting up with that expensive talent, too. <laughs> he always kids me. He says, well, I'll take some of that out of your salary. I say, Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. One thing that I thought was interesting, you know, you've got thousands of dogs that come through that show. Yes. Um, and you told me this, I think maybe three years ago, we were out there together, and there are all these dogs, and I'm like, gosh, how do they all get along so well? And you said that Chuck told you in 40 years, because back then it was year 40, in 40 years he had seen one dog fight. I one believe. serious one that yeah. I'm aware of. And, and you gave a reason why. What was that? Well, a dog trainer put that, told me about that because um, I, I asked him the same question. I mm -hmm. said, all these dogs. And a lot of people, they're gawking at things in a booth. They're not paying attention to what their dog's doing. Then their dog is sniffing another dog. Or oh, yeah. Both dogs are standing there. Maybe the hair's <laughs> going up on the back of one of them, <laughs> and their tail's not wagging. I mean, you know, yeah. and they're pay not paying any damn attention. And that happened the one time that Chuck's talking about, we saw the Spaniel come back. With the owners holding its ear, that a dog tore off its ear, and I, if I am right, they got it reattached by a vet. Hmm. But anyway, so why aren't there all kinds of dog fights there? And what I was told, and it makes perfect sense, every one of those dogs is on neutral ground. None of them are in their area, and so they. They don't. They're not trying to defend anything. Play cool. Play it's cool. not my turf. Play. Right. And they all are trying to play cool. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating. Because if you would take, let's say, my dog curled up right here, right now, over to my brother-in-law's, yeah. they have a German Shepherd, and if my dog comes anywhere on that property, yep. she is. I mean, it's a full-on brawl. We learned that long ago. That yep. is her ground. Yeah. And not all dogs are protective like that, but some are. Right. And right. my. Family, we can go walk up there, but another dog, it just doesn't fly. Yeah. The only thing you worry about is some dogs maybe, if another dog comes up to their owner, they might feel 
like they have to protect. But mm-hmm. obviously, that doesn't happen very much. It's amazing all. to me for thousands of dogs over right. forty plus years. Yeah. One one fight. It's it's well, one game. You know, we forgot to mention Game Fair runs two three day weekends. It starts this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, two uh, three day weekends and. Last figure I saw, roughly 6,000 people over those six days bring dogs. So. Oh, really? So roughly, well, at least 6,000 dogs come walking through. Well, you know, what's funny is um, how many places do you go where it's advertised, bring your dog uh-huh. on a leash? Right. You know how many places you can do that? And, and The other thing is, uh, years ago, there was a big hoopla in Minneapolis about gun control and Something about um, making storing guns, or and you know how it goes. Yep. And the story on the front page of the Tribune, and it jumped to inside of the Tribune, uh, more of that gun control story. And then right underneath the gun control story was a big game fair ad that said, "Bring your dog on a leash. Bring him. Bring your shotgun." <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway. Well, Game Fair will be six days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, next two weekends. Are you there every day? Every day. Every day. Laura Start to two. close. We're at what's called the uh, Communication Center, or an Information Center, I should say. Uh, you'll hear our voice on the over the loudspeakers, and then uh, uh, Trick Shooter goes on about 1130. I'll be up there. We do what's new at Game Fair, so I find some new products and bring people up and talk about their product. And there's all kinds of doggy games you can watch, even if you don't yep. bring a dog. Yep. Uh, uh, and there's no alcohol served. So there you go. Unlike the beer gardens at the State Fair, no alcohol has ever been served at Game Fair. Fascinating. Because Chuck doesn't want a drunk dad with a doing some shooting himself or... Mm-hmm. And in that scene mm-hmm. so that's, yeah that's good um i've enjoyed having my dog there we've done the dock jumping we've done the courses it's kind of fun to i don't do that often i mean she's a pheasant dog but she's you know capable of going out and retrieving ducks yeah. out well, of the water too. they have pointing yeah. games too so. yeah so bring your dogs bring your family mine love it they absolutely love it they can't wait to go back again and we will come see you and do not rip on me this time on the loudspeaker. When's the last time I did that? The last time I was there. I just asked if you were standing up. <laughs> Ron, thanks for the time today. We sure appreciate it. We'll see you at Game Fair. We'll be back next time with another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. 